The UDR cast is not affiliated and does not represent any 12-step fellowship. I, Bill Ward, the host of the UDR cast, will be sharing my experience and my journey of recovery. That does include, but is not limited to, the literature contained in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps. Our guests will be sharing their own path to recovery and what has worked for them. The UDR cast encourages and supports all paths to recovery. Welcome everybody to the UDR cast. UDR stands for Uncover, Discover and Recover. My name is Bill Ward and I'm coming to you from the recovery capital of Canada, Calgary, Alberta. Here we are going to discuss everything recovery, different perspectives, different experiences, both with the people I know and with others from around the world. If you resonate with anything you've heard on this episode today, we ask that you share it with anyone who you think may benefit from it. If you have any questions or comments, please find us at billward.life and send us a message in the info section. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. If you are interested in more recovery content, you can find the buttons for the YouTube channel and other social media outlets on the homepage, and you will be redirected to those platforms. We can recover. One person, one family, one community at a time. We were just talking about, uh, you know, working with people and collecting the data, not just with the people we work with, but basically the fellowship at large and people that aren't really keeping a clean house. So this is my my angle. People that don't keep a clean house over the years, they self-will the principles into their life. They get on with the business of being self-satisfied. Years down the road, it ends up turning on them. And it starts cutting them the ribbons because they've never kept a clean house. A lot of people who are addicts and alcoholics who have done, you know, maybe bad things and treated people bad and not been able to be responsible for family or children. They have a lot of guilt and shame that actually gets buried down deep inside. And over the first year or two, first set of steps or two, a lot of that guilt and shame doesn't really come up. I find it comes up later, three, four, five, six, seven years down the road. And the people that don't keep a clean house, this guilt and shame basically takes them back out, either with like thoughts of suicide or suicide or depression or anxiety, or they pick up again. So as we look at harms done, I like to go to the step eight. In the step eight, it talks about, uh, there's two things. The first one is, while the purpose of making restitution to others is paramount, it is equally necessary that we extricate from an examination of our personal relations every bit of information about ourselves and fundamental difficulties that we can. So the step eight is saying right here, I need to look within myself and look at my own fundamental difficulties. Even though the purpose of making restitution to you is paramount, it's just as important for me to collect the data about myself that I can since defective relations with other human beings has nearly always been the immediate cause of our woes, including our alcoholism, no field of investigation could yield more satisfying and valuable rewards. Calm, thoughtful reflection upon personal relations can deepen our insight, 
we can go far beyond these things which were superficially wrong with us to see the flaws which were basic flaws which were sometimes responsible for the whole pattern of our lives thoroughness we found will pay and pay handsomely and in the four it talks about this is the four and the 12 and 12 that these emotional deformities that warped us we got to look at how when and where these things actually affected us how where when i might have to search my whole life back to when i was a kid and when i work with sponsees i almost always in the sex relation take them back to like elementary dude and i look at their fucking whole life but a lot of this stuff doesn't come up till two or three or four or five years so i end up spending a good amount of time later with my sponsees who are three years sober looking at specific things that have come up over the years so i don't know what's your experience with uh you know the things that come up with these guys at a later point or have you noticed that people that don't deal with their own house cleaning over the years they end up fucking themselves yeah i mean i definitely see that for sure like when it comes to the first five it's going to be fairly inaccurate but it's going to be as accurate as you could be i mean a guy's you know dealing with 10 or 20 years of drunkenness and you're trying to you know get as much information of the more glaring things that had happened whether that be in the resentments or the sex, I do more of a hyper-focus with any guy that I deal with in the fears. That's the, that's the chief block I find once a guy's clear. Like, for example, I just did a five with a guy maybe last week, and it was pretty long, fairly powerful. He felt the benefits for probably around a week straight, which is kind of common. Normally, the raw afterwards takes a couple days for them to get some of those step five promises uh and then they're pretty clear with no work at all for around a week to two weeks max right but then all at once it all starts coming back predominantly fear self-centered fear um they felt the nearness of their creator in that time but much like being enchanted by a starlit night um you know it gets blocked off pretty quick right pomp calamities majority of this is all calamities with within his own mind that's really, that's really, once a five's done, it really takes hold. Feeling the nearness of his creator, feeling that the drink problem has disappeared. It's fear in these mental calamities, which is disasters that he makes up and fabricates in his own mind. So if you can imagine doing such a life, you know, such a, an accurate self-appraisal on this man's life, he gets the benefits for weeks afterwards and then doesn't hold up to it right this this is on a small scale is what you're explaining yeah. where but you're instead of you know weeks you're talking years yeah. right of him not doing the work but this is it's black to white right you do this you do this great work and then he has no process to upkeep it because he's still in six he's going to be doing six seven and and eight and the benefits are gone and he's back to the he's back to the fears and calamities almost instantly so this is why 10 11 and 12 are so fucking important Right, but a guy to actually cap everything off in, in, in 10, uh, 11, and 12 and get depth in that takes most of us a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Right, and e even aside from that, you know, when we talk about step 10, there, there has to in the 12 by 12, 
you know, there has to be time set deliberately to ta talk about these individual things that come up. And we also talk about annual and semi-annual house cleaning. So generally how this works is like, I'll get a guy, takes me roughly around, around three weeks generally to get a guy to four. That's three sessions once a week. From zero to four. Zero to four. And that could, I could do that to a varying or less degree. If I have to match one of the houses, then I'll do that. And if I have to get them to step four in one night, then I'll do that also, depending on, depending on me vetting the alcoholic. Cause that's where all this starts is me vetting this guy, the seriousness of, of his condition, um, kind of where he is temperamentally, all that shit, right? That's so you do that proper assessment. Then he has another two to three weeks from there to get onto the five. So roughly in about a month and a half, this guy's done his five. So then from there, once we have the reprieve of the five, once it's all said and done, he's around four months, he's going to be 12 stepped. Mm -hmm. So you're really throwing the guy in the fire, but it's much easier than it would have been in the late thirties. A lot of these guys don't have families anymore. It's all burned down, not allowed to see the kids. I mean, back in the day, you'd be thrown with a wife and multiple kids into the, into the arena and, and, not having the opportunity to fuck around in the 10, 11, and 12. Mm. But now I find that that's definitely not the case. And the guy's given almost, you know, utmost time to fuck around in these areas, as opposed to being, being thrown into the fire almost immediately of life. <clears throat> so I remember when I first came in, I did my set of steps and I really wasn't paying attention to the processes. I just did my set of steps and I felt better and things were going better, but I didn't really understand the inventories. Actually, when I went through my set of steps, I, I was not really given the directions of step 10 and then how that actually tied into the 11, but I was told to do step 12. So basically I'm a year, 18 months in and I'm running the show and I, and I get very sick again and I'm not doing so well. And uh, so I talk to this pillar of mine and his wife and I go and I sit with them and I kind of lay all the chips on the table because I don't want to feel like this, but I can't shake this shitty feeling. And I've been trying to pray and I've been trying to meditate and I'm trying to do certain things, but it's just not kicking, kicking the feeling that I have away, this, this discontentment. So I lay all the chips on the table and him and his wife both say, you got to make another amend to your ex-wife and I was like no fucking way and then I start playing God well this is how it's gonna go this is what's gonna happen anyway they ended up being right I knew it in my in my soul I ended up praying for the willingness for about a month to go make this amend the second amend and it and I did it dude and I got the relief um in around that time maybe uh a little bit before that, I was struggling with some sex conduct issues that I didn't really know was a big deal, but they ended up slapping me in the face as well. So after these, this period of time with these things that kind of made me feel shitty, I started realizing, like you just said, the importance of step 10. And as I start keeping that clean house and I start moving into like learning how to meditate and I've been sponsoring the whole time, I started getting healthy and I started gaining in clarity. And I don't really even know why I took that path. I think a, a large part it was because you and I were buds and we were in the literature 
and you were at that time struggling with your same shit, different shit, but same shit. And it kind of just drove me into the literature because literature had already done so much for me at that time. But you had mentioned, if a guy's not doing his 10, 11, and 12 over time, from what I've seen, they fucking go down banana peel trail. And they end up getting to a point where they're very restless, irritable, discontented. And a lot of these guys fucking pick up a drink again. And they don't grow closer to God and whatever prayers they're saying. It's, it's almost like, it's almost like the prayers and the connection that they have to this God that they believe in. It's only the ego that believes in and they still get sick. And then watching these guys and most people ain't going to sponsor. Most people ain't going to do their actual real inventory. And then because you can't do real inventory, the meditation fucking lacks and you just get sicker. So for me, it actually worked the other way. And I, and I got well, I learned about step 10 and the sponsoring actually helped clear that channel because I was looking at myself, talking to myself, listening to myself and dealing with the issues as they come up. So then kind of like fast forwarding as the years go on, because I'm able to keep a clean interior house, there's a lot of shit that's been down deep inside of me that's come up over the years. And I think why I've been able to deal with it is because I'm keeping a good clean house and I'm talking to my pillars and I'm fucking doing what I'm supposed to do. And then the shit doesn't deal with me. I'm able to deal with it. But time and time again, I see people not keeping a clean house and, and the shit deals with them, dude. So I don't know. I just kind of wanted to kind of share my story on that a little bit. But well, definitely. I mean, like it does get, it's interesting that a lot of steps as they're read to a man's, a lot of it's theoretical especially the first three steps. Majority of that's all theoretical, although they've had experience with step one. I mean, it still, it still could be seen as a theory. When you look at the latter steps, definitely, you know, you're just really giving the guy, you're giving the guy the, the information so that he could get the benefits out of it looking at 10, right? But until he gets the benefits out of it, it's still a theory. Definitely six and seven are 100% theoretical, like to the point where it's like a pre-education on what this guy will go through. If he's dry, that's a different story. He'll understand you at once in the 4, 12, and 12, 6, and 7. Um, in regards to the character, he's been living by that and little else. That's where he's gained all his release up to that point, relief, right? Um but the action and the benefit found in 10, that's the sticking point I find, especially once the guy is um, done his five. Although the benefits he's getting out of his 10 are, are the equivalent and better, um, better than five found in the 10. But still, he sees it as if he can't really make the connection. It's very difficult. But anyways, when it comes to the nine without exception, this cannot be whatever motivates him is whatever it is, and then it could switch. 
right? Like with the 12, this fits perfectly fine. However, he's motivated to do it, whatever, it will one day change. Mm -hmm. But if his motivation is is completely the the nine steps, like I, I just, nine step promises. I mean, I bet you at one point, if all that was kept locked down and we never read that, the impact on that would probably be phenomenal. But this guy's going to go by a compass of self. Like I said, being a proper sponsor, you're, you're capping the self off. This is the one step that, as far as I'm concerned, in society's eye, really, really lowers Alcoholics Anonymous in, in the eyes of society. And even in like movies and stuff like that and how the ninth step is perceived like the premise of the ninth step is like you know it's meant to make you feel good about you and, and of course that's how it has to be sold but the alcoholic believes that in some respects it has nothing to do with the individual like i'm gonna call you up and i'm gonna intrude your life like i did 10 years ago then i'm gonna tell you that i'm taking you to tim horns and i'm specifically gonna make amends to you then by some chance this person actually agrees to it. I don't even buy the individual a coffee because I have no money. And I'm seeing maybe if this individual, I could bum a smoke off. Yeah, you know, like this is early recovery type mm -hmm. shit, right? That's where a lot of these guys are. Like I said, they're like maybe going to be three months, right? By the time they're on a nine. And so me as a new alcoholic, you know, I don't really clear too much of this amends that I'm making. I'm kind of making it on my own accord. I have this individual buy me a coffee and I even maybe even bum a smoke off of them. I say sorry, never to be talked to again. And that whole situation is just, that is the amends process for many individuals mm -hmm. where I, and like where I get most aggressive in the 12 steps with a new gentleman is definitely five and nine. Like I don't fucking hold back anything. I'm extremely aggressive on what will happen and what won't happen. And uh, because of this circumstance, like this individual is gonna make all the amends to the people that he feels he should make amends on based on a selfish hurt compass. The people that he feels the worst towards are the amends he's gonna make right away and then he drinks. And then it blows up this big shrapnel bomb in regards to the, all the people he's made amends to and he's hurt them yet again, right? So this is like no nonsense where I'm like, if you think you're making amends to your mother or the family, you fucking think again. Typically how this goes is he, roughly about a year, he's gonna build a spiritual tangibility, something to stand on as he makes, as he makes amends to these people. And it's at that point, if he does do all the action, all the spiritual, um, all the spiritual baited action, then it's a natural progression of that relationship that it organically goes to this conversation. It's no longer typically considered like an amend. It's actually a natural progression of a relationship as opposed to, you know, uh, uh, an amend that is like, you know, kind of over here and it's specific and it's, forced. you know, it is what it is. It's all force, dude. And that's what I'm trying to alienate is all the force that can happen. I need to make this amends or else I'm going to drink. You remember that, eh? Oh, yeah. And that's, and that's what I am trying to compat about. I am actually trying to shield society from this individual in that area. And we're trying to really keep it, trying to really keep it contained mm -hmm. and trying to make sure the spiritual value is, is built in that time before these uh, amends are organically made. So you make that comment, I need to make this amend or I'm going to drink. Mm -hmm. 
what Jesse's referring to is a gentleman that uh, I sponsored years ago that was adamant that he needed to make this amend. Um, his motives were not in check at all. I spent hours and hours trying to dissuade him from making this amend. And typically as the sponsor, you just listen to the sponsor. But this guy was not listening to me and I, sp I spent myself trying to fucking redirect him to not do this amend. And it was funny because as I'm doing the step work in a parking lot, you were fucking doing step work in the same parking lot. I ended up knocking on your window and saying, can I interrupt you guys? We need to fucking talk about this with you, Jess. And then you ended up taking the same course of action I did. Anyway, the guy ended up doing the amend and he drank. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because the motives weren't in check. Yeah. There was selfish and self-centered. The guilt and shame that he felt he wanted to relief from. And because of the motive of was self, he made a decision based in self. And whenever we do that, I'm absolutely convinced that any decision based in self for me is never successful. And in this case, it wasn't successful either. So I'm kind of, it's kind of cool how we got here talking about amends and talking about, uh, you know, motive and, and how we've come to work with men in the amends process. So I like you in the five, I can be very heavy very rigid and I think the word is I need to manufacture humility in the five mm. I need to I need to fucking manufacture humility and I mean like humiliation mm. and humble through pain yeah with a desire to do God's will and balance this and this isn't based out of my ego and I know you don't it's not based out of your ego this is all intuitive as the situation presents itself over the five to 12 to 15 hours, however long the step five takes. But what we're trying to produce is a level of humility, a level of fucking pain where you actually see what you fucking have been doing to people and how you cannot continue this behavior. And if this behavior doesn't change, we both know the guy will drink again. Mm. So as we humble a guy in the five, the six means something. The seven, maybe they don't understand it. And that's okay at this point. But it means something. It almost means the same thing as the six when you're first new, which is fine. But the eight means something. And as you go through the harms, because they've fucking seen in the five what they do and how it hurts people, the eight actually means something. And then they go into the nine with full directive of the sponsor. They don't call any of the shots ever, not fucking one, as far as who's getting the amend and how the amend is going to go. Almost every amend that I do with the guy is fucking talked about. And what I've started doing in the last while is maybe they have 60 amends or 50 amends to do. I'm doing them in groups of five or 10. So I give them groups of five or 10. And like you, if they've been a 10 or 20 year drunkard with their family, they for sure ain't doing the amends with their family mm. at all. Not for a year or two, maybe. Because yeah. as you said, as you develop and show people that you're changing, you can organically take this into an amend instead of it being something separate where you're like, okay, I need to do an amend with you. 
And I think most people, most alcoholics and addicts, when they first come in, they do a set of steps, their motives aren't fucking in check, which is why it's so important for them to listen to us as the sponsor, because we are more experienced in, in seeing motive. And I don't think there's a step that actually presents this more than the nine where somebody is doing amends for the wrong reasons. Even though they think they're doing it for the right reasons. And it's all based on the best of intention. Because they want to make an amend to their mom, their dad, their sister, their husband. And they want... But really what they're really looking for is relief. Mm. It's, it's, it's all about self. It's all about them. It has nothing to do with the individual at all. Yeah, dude. And, and so right off the bat humility like genuine humility in this step is altered and it's actually twisted the fabric of what humility is and then because it's based in self there's a great chance these people drink again which is why you and i don't really give them any leash or any leeway and it's just this is the way it is this is who you're gonna make it to and when they start talking to me in step eight about who they're making amends to and how and when I always just shut them down and say, this has nothing to do with what you think. And we're going to get there. And then the directive will be from your sponsor, which is me. And then you'll do it how we decide. I decide. And uh, then they usually just shut up. Mm. And they just go along and do it. And like maybe to the listeners, some of this sounds kind of harsh. On, you know, the rigidity of how we would do this. But when you've seen so many people die... And you've worked with the numbers that we've worked with and you've collected the data and you start to understand the alcoholic addict at a different level. I guess the proof is in the pudding today. And not for pompousness, but like you and I both have a good success rate of people that stay sober, that come to us and work with us. Mm. And I think that's really... And not only do they stay sober, they go on to live fucking good lives. Mm -hmm. Like you were talking about the guys that you worked with four or five, six years ago that don't call you much, but you'll run into them and they're fucking doing well. Mm -hmm. And that's the same with me too, right? And I think that's the proof in the pudding is as we've developed our rigidity and softness, there's a lot of softness here that we don't talk about too that people don't really see or understand because in our sharing in the room, a lot of that softness isn't coming out. Mm. But one-on-one -on -one working with these gentlemen, like I just heard you talk to a sponsee, there's a lot of love and compassion there that comes intuitively as we work with these people. And and uh, so, yeah, I, I just really like that we got into the step nine and we were talking about motive and, and fucking intention and, and how the alcoholic addict just can't see it, and especially when they're in that first year, man, so... Yeah, kind of like with with what you're saying that and, and you're kind of chatting about the rigidness in the five, you know, and I'm chatting about the rigid, rigidness in the nine. The one piece that has to be there is so it's honesty, right? So I am being honest with them in such a way that I'm trying to cut the delusion, right? And, and end up putting some chinks in the armor that their pride dishonesty has built over decades, Right. And that takes some, you know, honesty without compassion is just brutality. Right. So there has to be some honesty. There has to be some frankness and some rigidity 
But at the same time, if that compassion piece isn't there, then this would do would this would have the exact opposite effect of what I'm looking for. It would be brutality, right? It would be the equivalent of me kicking this man while he's down and all that other stuff, right? And so that's where that that compassion comes in. Where like at the end of the day, dude, I'm just as alcoholic, if not more alcoholic than this guy is. You know what I mean? So there is that understanding there. And without that understanding, I believe everything we said with the rigidness would have no effect. Mm -hmm. Right. And you also got to remember, it's not like, you know, it's not like I, you know, go, go pick a guy up and I say, okay, get in my trunk. And uh, that's where you ride. You don't ride up in the cabin and, and you know, all this other stuff, right? Like that's not, that's not to the extent that it's there. Um, these guys are not hostages by any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, I'm sure somebody listening who's not in the proper place, right, who was not properly persuaded would like, you know, like on step three, for years of my sobriety, it, you know, as soon as I started doing step three, guys are always getting down on the bumper of my fucking car. And they're saying that step three prayer reading it and then they're you know doing in in it in their own words so for anybody who gets a peek at the curtains as they're getting now in this conversation i mean they're probably thinking these guys are getting fucking abused but the funny thing is is that when alcohol properly persuades a man and he's baffled yet again and in his heart he really does not know why he does it but he does understand that he's fucked he just doesn't know how fucked these guys are all willing participants man hundred percent. So when we chat about that nine, the problem, probably the main problem I have on the nine is how it's sold is it is sold to the individual in the rooms. It is sold. You do this, you get the benefit. And it's almost like an overcompensation of what the step actually is because the step can be so daunting. The step can be so scary that in order to actually sell it, you know, there has to be the step nine promises and those step nine promises have to trump what the step actually is and what the purpose of the step actually is. And the step has absolutely fuck all to do with the individual and how they feel like a lot of the times they think that they could do these amends at the start. And then we go through the five and then we're in the nine and that humility manufacturing it they should understand that I don't even get the fucking opportunity to even try and make amends at this moment. And they should understand that. That should be there, right? And so when I put them, have them put them in the columns, I want to see if they understand that, right? What you, what you think you're going to make, you know, amends to your ex-fiance? That happened 10 years ago. She has three kids and has been happily married for the last eight years. And you've been smoking meth for the last decade after the fucking whole thing. But now you're going to show up to her doorstep. Her husband answers the fucking door, right? Like that's the type of shit, dude. I just fucking, I got no, there's, we're talking about threshold before, before we put the microphones on, we're talking about the threshold of nonsense of what is our threshold before we, you know, kind of, you know, start putting out that honesty, right? And aggressive honesty with individuals. And in this area, there is absolutely no threshold. I have threshold in regards to the first four steps, especially in four. And this guy doing the exact opposite of what I told him to do as he's writing out the four. Okay, you know, we do the five, six, and seven. My threshold's pretty great. 10, 11, and 12. Threshold's pretty good. Nine, this is one where I just, there's no nonsense. 
I just can't even fucking entertain. And so you're chatting about before, I kind of want to take it back to this because I, because step 12, you're chatting about, you know, essentially where, where all the benefits come from. And that's where all the benefits for myself has come from. And, um, once I sharpen that intuition in the 11, that intuition tells me to do things or it, it's kind of like it, it's, it's inspiration to do things right where, you know, I'll do my meditation in the morning. I'll get centered. Then I get on with the, with the business of being self-satisfied throughout my day. And then, uh, you know, I'll need to call on the power. And so I'll do so throughout the day. And when I do that, I, this channel's open through the 10 already and the intuition's there, right? And then I, I get inspired to call these people or do this or do a little extra in the household or, or whatever the case may be, right? And so the 12 in a lot of respects is the action of the intuition, right? Now, there's no, um, you can't, as far as I'm concerned, there's no substitute for sponsorship, right? And we've chatted about this many times. Like there's a lot of people who don't sponsor, but they're heavily involved in service. And it's like, you know, they're drinking, they're drinking the coffee in the rooms, but it's like the decaffeinated, burnt fucking whatever. But at least they're getting something into their system, right? So with me and you, the amount of guys we, we sponsor, like even for myself, like I've realized that there's only so many guys I could sponsor. There's only so much time and energy that I have that I have to kind of also direct my focus to society because where my benefits like where my, um, so I sponsor a guy now without really motive. It's just what I do. It's, it's kind of deep rooted now. Right. And so because it's in that situation, the realizations that I come, that come out of it, the benefits that really come out of it are fucking a slow go. It's not like it used to be in the first number of years. Right. So although I'm still going to do that and I'll probably do that to the day I die, hopefully sober, I have to look to society. I think that there's a lot of benefit in helping society. Um, whether that be charitable work, whether that be giving to charities, whether that be volunteering, whether that be fulfilling passions. I think that that is so fucking important when it comes to the growth in these latter steps. When it comes to the 10, the 10 doesn't really change too much. At least it hasn't really. The inventory has gotten more in depth. I've taken a larger approach at, you know, having, um, you know, times in the year where I will kind of go away uh, and then be able to kind of, you know, come back to life with fresh, like self-overhaul and meditation, right? So that's kind of the 10. It hasn't really changed that much. It's gotten more in depth. The inventory's in shed and, and I've adopted a little bit newer structures, but that's fucking really about it. When it comes to the 11, the 11, a lot of the intuitions I get are no longer my daily uh, routine type stuff. That's just a working part of the mind today. So, you know, it's more like purpose built shit. And then in the sponsorship, the numbers ha haven't changed. It's still eight to 12 guy cycles, three months. Um, but it's been looking more at, at society and where I as an individual can benefit society and whatever passions I have, right? So basically you're saying as you work with the 12 steps, you just get intuitive inspiration to be of service in all aspects of life. And a lot of that can be just in general society. 100%. Like for the longest time, I always thought it was like individual 10, individual 11, and individual 12. 
And as part of the process, I believe that that is like, as the process is, is outlined, I believe that that's the case, that every step is individual. I don't like people saying that step, step 10 is like a rehash of the greatest hits of the 12 steps where it's like, you know, it's fucking four through whatever, four through nine or whatever, right? I don't like that. That step stands alone, right? But when it comes to the actual practice of these, they're logically interwoven as we've chatted about many fucking times. And so what that means is I come to the realization many years ago now, and I put that in the practice, that it, 10 follows 11, follows 12 in actual practice, which means when I do a 10, and when I do call somebody and I do do that inventory, uh, it has to be followed up with meditation. And then that meditation has to be followed up with the action of that intuition that was found in the 11. And a lot of times that action will equal something to do with the 12 steps or some sort of action that gets me out of me and I'm able to pack into the stream of society, right? Pack into the stream of life type shit. And so for a man that has a family, you know, he has the ability to be a use in that fucking family. Like everything we chat about is, you know, for sponsorship is sponsoring the next alcoholic. But you and I both know that you know, if we look at 1939, okay, and I do as the book tells me in working with others in regards to step 12, that means that 1939 or early 40s when, when Alcoholics Anonymous came to fucking Calgary, there, you know, I'm hitting the uh, institutions, I'm hitting up the churches, I'm doing all this stuff, and I'm trying to get in front of alcoholics. But it says that, you know, we, like, it says that, you know, the family should be offered our way of life too, you know, if the man is to disappear, so if I look at the numbers here of early 12-step work, really, as per the book says, I would be sponsoring one alcoholic to maybe three, four family members, a wife and a couple kids, and then my wife would get involved in that type of shit. So in reality, you know, in the first, let's say, decade of my sponsorship, I would actually be more well-versed in sponsoring normal people. I mean, sick because of the alcoholic, but for the most part, other than that normal, maybe a spiritual malady, but other than that fairly normal in the way you're thinking and living, I would be more well-versed in sponsoring society than I would be the alcoholic, right? So that is to say that, you know, to say that all of my efforts should be spent in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, I believe if I'm a proper 12-step member doing the deal, I would not only be cheating myself of the opportunity, but I would be cheating potentially society of the opportunity to have a volunteer, to have somebody who's involved present without any profit motive at all, just the ability to get out of self and, and, and help, help another human being. Well, and the book does say, you know, a much more important demonstrations of our principles lies before us on our respective homes, occupations, and all of our affairs. So right there, it's saying it's much more important to do this out there. Yeah. But it, right. And then it also says in the nine, our real purpose. And our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the fellows about us. Yeah. But back in like tradition five, each group's main purpose is to carry the message to the alcoholic still suffering. So there's a lot of like purpose talk in the steps and in the program about helping the alcoholic get sober which is great because i think at first we got to use our greatest deficit which i'm an alcoholic and addict and when i look at my life it's probably my greatest deficit of my life i get to use that for something positive and i think because i'm using it to help another alcoholic 
I get to see the benefit and I get to understand how another alcoholic lives and acts because I am them. But I think even more so, like you talked earlier about, it doesn't matter how you get into sponsorship or the altruism. It's just a matter of that you do it. Even if you're getting into sponsorship because you want to look good or because it makes you feel good or fucking you want to be the best sponsor in the world, who cares how you get into it? Mm. It's just a matter of doing the altruistic act. And as you do numerous altruistic acts, it actually takes you down the road over time to true altruism. Mm. Because fundamentally, as you sit in front of another individual and you try to help them, because there is the motive of trying to be of service there, really, mm. you fucking change fundamentally deep on the inside. So as we work with these people as alcoholics first, down the road you work with them as human beings. Mm. And once you're working with them as human beings, then everything changes. Because I know for me, even today, when I work with another alcoholic, I've worked with so many alcoholics that I know the alcoholic and addict better than they know themselves, which benefits me and it actually benefits them. Because every time they try to blow smoke up my ass and tell me this or tell me that, I already know the fucking truth. Because I'm fucking you and I've worked with so many of you, you can't fucking bullshit me. So it benefits them, even though they don't really realize it. Sometimes they do. And it benefits me because it just solidifies the data. But I, I start being able to just treat them like a human being. And then like much more important demonstration of these principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and all of our affairs. My daughters wanted to work the steps. So I've been able to take my way of life into like my family life and it's been attraction not promotion you know my ex-wife wanted to work the steps my ex-wife's mother wants to work the steps my daughter's boyfriend none of these people are considered alcoholics or addicts mm. you know fucking one of your sponsees Two of your sponsees has asked me to help their family members and these people aren't alcoholics. Mm -hmm. So this just transmits into like helping human beings, period. Yeah. yeah. Right? And, and that's the beauty of this shit. And so I think you're right. For me to just stay focused on just working with alcoholics and addicts, which I think is really important for the first two or three or four or five years. And I think it's really important to fucking not stop working with them. But I think people get pampered and... They just get on with the business being self-satisfied and they don't ever find the real value of working with others. What I find probably most interesting about this. Thank you for tuning in to the UDR cast. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. The viewpoints and the opinions expressed today were solely of the individual sharing them. If you resonated with this episode, please follow us and share this link with anyone that may benefit from it please visit us at billward.life to see everything that we have going on. We can recover, one person, one family, one community at a time.